The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You know, all those kind of things I try to, you know, at least introduce the dogs to us in the course of the training. So, you know, the first day out hunting, it's not a surprise to them. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? Train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. And it's your favorite time of the week again. It's GDIY time. Adam, what's going on? Not much, man. It's been a good week for me. Got some good training in, and uh, yeah, that's good enough to make it a good week, right? Yeah, we had a good training outing yesterday, but then, you know, we come over here to record, and uh, Jack, the versatile English setter that won't retrieve, goes and proves his versatility and snags a rabbit out of the backyard and even lets me go and, you know, get it from him. So I told Joe, you know, hey, if you wanted to train the versatile champion Jack, you can. <laughs> so did he deliver it to hand or did you have to go get it? Oh, no, he he held it proud, and, but he let me come and get it and get, gave a good release. Uh, yeah. He didn't fight me for it. And I'm like, well, you know, we'll work on the retrieving portion, but at least the handoff is pretty decent. I'm thinking instinct took over. He probably just went after the rabbit and killed it because it surprised him. And then he probably thought what is this thing? What do I do with this now? <laughs> yeah. What now? That's <laughs> but, cool, man. Yeah. So a uh, little bit of excitement here, but uh, what do we have this week? Bill Matz. Uh, Bill's uh, an old friend for me from Jacksonville, North Carolina when I was stationed down there. Um, and he, he helped uh, jacking me out with 
with our first dog a little bit with some basic obedience stuff. And uh, he's big into the retriever world. He does the, you know, testing and trialing, and you'll hear all about it. But uh, just a fun little general conversation, nothing specific, but we really dive deep into the into the retriever world and trials and tests and stuff like that. So a uh, nice fun little episode for you. Yeah. And even, you know, the folks that a lot of our listeners are NAVDA and versatile dog people, but um, I always learn talking to different people, whether it's, you know, coon hunters or retriever people or whatever. If you pick up one little nugget, yep, you know, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, different avenues have different, different stuff you can pick up from and apply to your own I for mean, sure especially like those canine handler people that do the the do the real obedience and body yep. training and stuff there's a lot of obedience tidbits that you can pick up from them so it's always nice to step out of our typical just nabbed a bird dog versatile world and yep. and branch out and hopefully learn some lessons that you can apply to your own training so uh yeah hope hopefully people get something out of this episode and enjoy it yeah hope so man and so I don't really have a specific life advice with Adam question for you this week. <laughs> I have a bone to pick. And I, that's probably a missed opportunity there with my normal corny play on words, uh, a bone to dig or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. there you go. But I got a bone to pick with everybody here because, you okay. know, we started this life advice stuff because we are getting so many interesting questions that we're just firing back and, yeah. and answering email. I'm like, you know, we needed to start throwing some of these on, but uh, it, it's kind of dried up here recently i guess when we started asking you the questions they they <laughs> no. didn't ha- have anything interesting dude so- no one wants advice from me <laughs> that's the well, issue <laughs> that's what i wanted to get into is you know this is life advice with adam yeah you know give me your little political speech here you know give give an elevator speech why somebody should ask you questions well everyone needs to have you know anytime you're sitting in a um a group or a class or whatever, people are afraid to be the one to raise their hand and ask the question. <laughs> yep. But chances are everyone else in the room has the same question. So it's not just getting an answer for yourself. You're getting an answer for a lot of other people. Yeah. See, that's a very modest, politically correct speech. You, you gave said there. elevator speech. That I'm was ta- like 10 seconds. I'm dude. talking about why you as Adam are qualified to answer questions. I'm not. <laughs> okay. See, and this is where a good campaign manager comes in. There you go. Okay. That's what I'm here for. So if you Sell have, it for me, Nick, if you have any questions in life whatsoever, Adam's got it covered. Okay. It doesn't even have to be dog training. If you have a question about dogs, guess what? Adam has a dog. Even if you have a question about family, he's got kids. If you have questions about your wife, He's got a wife, okay? <laughs> it can be relationship, anything interesting, okay? We, we can change it from life advice with Adam to grill and gunny. It can be, you know, <laughs> going hunting. It can be tactics, gear-related, whatever. Adam's got it covered. I guess I, I, I know a little about a lot, maybe. <laughs> Definitely not a lot about anything, though. In all seriousness, though, I mean, we, we started doing this little corny segment because so many people are like, hey, this might be a good question to address on the podcast. Well, here's your chance. Write us. 
Gondog at yourself at gmail.com. It can be anything fun, useful, completely just irrelevant. Uh, but we do want to start getting some more questions from people. We're still getting some questions, but it's like, you know what? That's not really that fun of a question. <laughs> I want the fun questions for Adam. I want I want you to try and stump them. Grill and gunny. That's what we're doing. Yeah, and some people uh, just forget, you know, they're listening to the podcast on their drive home from work. And once you get home from work, you're not going <laughs> to email us and uh, a question. So no. take a break right now. Email me whatever question you want. And I'll do my best to answer it. I think it's pretty hilarious that Nick finds me qualified to, to answer you any questions. You have so much now. life experience, man. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, all right. So, with that out of the way, yep. that was my bone to pick. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating, review. Hit up our Patreon. The Patreon users have a bigger discount with our new sponsor, Conkies. If you haven't checked them out, be sure to check them out. Uh, if you aren't a Patreon patron, but you still want to check out Conkies, you have a 5% discount code with GDIY5. And that does go a long way if you're looking at something like a Garmin training collar or tracking collar. Uh, they have a lot of stuff to offer. Uh, we're trying to work on them about getting more bird dog related yep. training gear. But as far as actual hunting gear and a, a lot of hound gear, they, they have a lot of stuff to offer. So be sure to check them out as well as our other partners, Gunner, Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong. Check them all out. Help us out. And uh, did I miss anything? No, but, you know, a question we do get pretty often is how can we help you guys out? Because people know that we're, you know just uh just shy of a year into this podcast and what helps us out is feedback so send us an email and and give us some feedback in those even if it's bad yeah and we we actually want the what you might consider negative feedback in an email uh, if you have it positive you know that's where the the rating and review comes <laughs> in um and give us five stars of course but but we want to get better uh so we do need constructive criticism so please email that to us and of course you know this thing costs money and to develop more content later and and other, work on other things it costs money uh so the patreon users patreon users our patreon contributors they uh they definitely help out you know every right. every dollar counts there you go that should every, like be part of my campaign manager thing there, every you, there you go <laughs> every dollar counts and it also gives you a, a bigger discount code with conkeys we are getting there to where when we get 100 patrons we are giving away a gunner, so yep. there's an opportunity there. So, uh, yeah, I know that me and you aren't exactly thrilled to always be uh, pitching ourselves yeah. and begging and all that stuff. So uh, we're just going to stop right now and get to the episode and hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you next week. There's always something to debate or argue in the dog world, but there's just one thing that's not up for debate. All hunters and dog hunters know you need the right gear. Not just for yourself, but for your dogs as well. Conkeys Outdoors Hound and Hunting Supply is your number one source for all things hound related. Conkeys is owned and operated by true houndsmen themselves. They've got you covered no matter the game you're chasing, from hog hunting, bear hunting, and even gator hunting. Bird dog guys don't feel left out either. They have whatever you need, whether it's training collars, tracking collars, boots, chaps, vests, coats, and more. No matter what you and your dog needs to have a successful hunt, check out conkeysoutdoors.com and they'll get you on the right track. Purchases over $100 gets you free shipping and enter GDIY5 to save 5%. And if you're a Patreon patron, you get to save even more money. So be sure to check out Conkeys Outdoors.
If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We've got Bill Matz on the line from River Ridge Kennels. Bill, how are you? Good. How y'all doing? Hey, doing great. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, absolutely. So Bill's uh, kind of mentored me a little bit with my first dog, helped uh, Jackie and I get through the canine good citizenship program, which I can't say we got through it because <laughs> Bill was Bill was good enough to say, "Hey, don't don't waste your time testing Gus. Uh, you guys learned a bunch from this course, but your dog is not a good citizen. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. Don't so bring him out in public. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't, just leave him leave him at home. But uh, it's good to catch up with you, Bill, and and I appreciate your your guidance and everything in the past. So I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up again on this phone conversation. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All so right. go ahead and start and tell everybody where you're from. Well, we're, uh, you know, River Ridge Kennels, we're down here in Richlands, North Carolina. Um, you know, we, uh, we've been uh, in this area, you know, when, you know, in this building that we're in now, you know, our current facility for about 13 years. So where'd you guys start out? I, uh, did you start somewhere else and then and then move out to where you're at now? No, I started training dogs about 19 years ago when I was still on active duty, you know, in the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, avid waterfowl hunter, been duck hunting for over 30 years. And, uh, you know, just thought, uh, you know, trying to come up with a retirement plan that this sounded like a good retirement plan to, uh, you know, play with dogs every day once I retired. <laughs> Does it still sound like a good plan now that you're in the middle of it? Absolutely, you know, absolutely. You know, every day, you know, you know, what do they say, you know, if you if you're not doing so or if you're doing something you enjoy, you know, it's not it's not work at all. Uh well that's that's exactly the way it is, you know. So, you know, enjoy it every day and you know, different dogs and you know, working with different breeds, you know, it's just uh you know, it's exciting and it keeps me, you know, keeps me busy, keeps me active. So, you know, I like it. Well, give a quick rundown of what all you do at your kennel and what you specialize in and, and really what you, you prefer and your, your, what you really enjoy out of the training. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we, uh, you know, we do all breeds obedience work. Um, now what we don't do is we don't get into a whole lot of, you know, aggressive dogs. You know, if you got an aggressive dog, there's other people that, uh, you know, can certainly probably do a whole lot better job working through some of those issues if they can even be worked through. Um, you know, but we do basic obedience, all breeds, uh, and, uh, you know, we do retriever training. That's really our specialty is, you know, retriever training, uh, waterfowl retrievers. Um, you know, some of the dogs will, you know, you know, shift over to upland work, you know, once they go through the program. Um, you know, a lot of the retrievers, you know, they're kind of dual purpose where, you know, not necessarily point retrievers, but uh, certainly can get out there and flush. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. So, 
Uh, you also get into train or uh, testing and trialing as well. Do you do that with your client dogs, or is that just exclusively with your personal dogs? No, we uh, we do with our client dogs as well. If the clients, you know, have the interest in you know running AKC hunt test uh, or HRC, the Hunt Retriever Club hunt test, you know, we'll get involved with those as the owners want to, you know, and and go to whatever level the owners want to, you know, obviously. Uh, you know, requires a certain amount of training at each level. But, uh, you know, if the owners want to do that, we'll go ahead and run those tests for them. Or, you know, actually, you know, train the dog to that level and then have the owners come out and run their own dogs, you know, which you know, sometimes I get, I mean, I get excited about the owners running their own dogs because then they kind of get the bug to run these hunt tests and uh, you want to progress with their dog. Absolutely. So when it comes to, to the testing, do you, aim to do both of them usually with both dogs or do you have one over the other that you typically recommend or just enjoy doing more so than the other? Uh, you know, does one kind of give you a better outcome you think? Um, well, the, the hunt retriever club tests, I mean, I've run both, you know, and I enjoy, and I enjoy the hunt retriever club test a lot, you know, from the started season and finished test, you know, the three levels as you, uh, you know, progress, um, you know, I like the HRC test because the HRC test to me very closely mimic hunting environments. I mean, they're set up that way. You know, you're shooting from the line. You know, there's not shots coming out from out in the field. Um, so, you know, the, the HRC test, I, I find really kind of, you know, as closely resemble a hunting situation, you know, as, as possible. I mean, I've run HRC tests where we sat in a boat and shot out of a boat and, you know, the dog got to get out of the boat and retrieve. So, you know. Those kind of tests, I mean, I enjoy those. Now, the problem with the HRC, at least on the East Coast here, um, you know, there's just not a lot of HRC clubs. So, that you know, it's kind of famine on the uh, on the East Coast when it comes to running HRC tests. The, you know, Midwest, you know, middle of the, you know, the country, you know, a lot more HRC clubs. You know, I was, when I was in Missouri, you know, from Arkansas, Missouri, you know, all over the place, there was a, Tennessee, a lot of HRC clubs over uh, and uh, that side of the country. So HRC is testing. Did, correct. I want to make sure I got this right. Do they do testing and trialing, or is it just testing? It, it's. I mean, it's it's uh, it's testing. Yeah, it's testing against the standard. Okay. That's exactly right. You know, but, but, you know that's that's exactly what the HRC does. Um, you know, now on the you know the AKC side, you were asking. You know, both sides. You know, the AKC side. You know, is is predominantly what I run, you know, both, uh, hunt test and field trials. Um, you know, and again, it's just really more product of, there's just a lot more AKC clubs in this general area along the East coast here, that you can pick and choose quite a few different tests to run. That makes sense. So, uh, I guess if it was available, you'd, you'd get more into HRC, but because of the availability of AKC, it just makes sense to kind of spend more time doing that. So, Inside of AKC, you have testing and trialing, correct? That's right. Exactly. Yep. You got your AKC hunt test, and then you got your AKC field trials. Okay. So inside of that, what would you recommend to someone that's just wanting to to test or trial for the sake of having a better hunting dog? Which one's better suited? Well, you know, the AKC hunt tests are obviously just that hunt test where, I, you know, again, at least, you know, mimic or, you know, um, you know, 
replicate, you know, hunt a hunting situation, you know, obviously better than a field trial. I mean, field trials, I mean, you're getting into some big yardage. Uh, does that doesn't mean, you know, a field trial dog is not necessarily, a, you know, a bad hunting dog, but you're talking, you know, 200 plus, 250 plus yard, you know, marked retrieves, you know, where hunt test is, you know, within, you know, gun range, um, you know, and you get, you know, the occasional bird sail out beyond a hundred birds or a hundred yards. I mean, uh, but, you know, again, it just replicates more hunting situations, the AKC hunt test. So, you know, obviously every dog is, is different as well as every handler is different, but you start off with every dog aiming to, you know, a, a client brings you his puppy and says, I want to do trial and testing or just one or the other. Do you start off on one path and then just based on the dog and kind of how you're, how it's developing, you, you suggest going the other route. Maybe, maybe this is a better trial dog as opposed to a hunt test or vice versa. Right, right. You know, well, the only dogs I trial are my own personal dogs. Okay. Um, you know, those are the only dogs that I actually run trials with. You know, the, the client dogs that I get out here is the ones that I run in you know, the HRC or the AKC contest. Um, you know, those, those are the only ones. And, you know, and, and I would tell you the other you know, vast majority, you know, of my clients, you know, they may run a few hunt tests or, you know, um, and, you know, some of them go all the way to the master level. You know, but the vast majority, they're just looking for a good gun dog. You know, I want I want a dog that, you know, when I knock the chicken down, dog goes, gets his chicken, brings it back, and we get ready for the next one. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's what most of us want. And uh, I think once you get the bug, though, like you said, you like when people come out and and work kind of alongside you, and, and they do some of the testing, and, and you can help them train their dog and, a lot of people just expect, all right, I'm sending my dog to this pro trainer and then I get it back and I don't have to do anything with it. Um, do you experience Absolutely. that pretty often? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, what, you know, I experience a lot of that, you know, and I get a lot of dogs that'll come back in, you know, in September, October timeframe for, you know, a 30 day tune up for the duck season coming up. Dr. Um, so exactly because you know the owners you know life gets in the way they're busy and you know um you know they just can't have to spend the time like i can you know daily you know working the dog um you know so that you know exactly get the you know knock the rust off you know work through some of that um so they're ready for the next you know waterfowl season yeah and there's there's absolutely nothing nothing wrong with that you know we just try to warn people that if you think you can send your dog off and get it trained for say four months and you get it back. Like that's not the end of the story. You, you need to be prepared to train this dog yourself or send it back for a tune up prior to hunting season. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, you know, as part of our program here, you know, and, and I think, you know, the vast majority of trainers, you know, probably the same way, you know, especially, you know, our four month program, our basic gun dog program, you know, I encourage the owners to come out as often as they can, particularly months three and months four, because, you know, it's not just training the dog at that point in time. I need to start training the owner to do exactly what you just said, maintain everything on the backside when the dog goes home. Yep, for sure. So do you have a lot of dogs? I know you, you breed occasionally and, and have some litters. Do you have a lot of the dogs out of your litters come back for training or, or are you training just a, a wide variety of dogs out there? <laughs> No, it's, uh, you know, we, we only breed once a year. Um, so, you know, now the current class of dogs I just got in, um, 
you know, the 10 dogs that came in for this class right now, uh, eight of them are actually, you know, puppies off of litters we've bred, you know, either, you know, different moms, uh, you know, different dams that uh, we've bred to or our own breeding here, you know, with our own siren dam. So when you say that you have a, a class coming in, you're, you're, you're getting a, a big, it sounded like what, 10 pups in a class. Do you, do you only have that class in the kennel at one time? Like you don't have any other age. So it's kind of all dogs that are coming in for, for your course. They're kind of all at the same level and you're just progressing through all of them at the same rate. Well, I bring in, you know, I, I do two classes a year. Um, you know, I do a February class and then I pick up a July class. You know, it's a four month class. Each one, each iteration is four months. Um, you know, now the dogs that come in, you know, the 10 dogs, say 10 dogs come in, you know, I may have six that are at the basic level, you know, first time, you know, going through the basic gun dog program. And then four of them may be in the advanced level, you know, where we're doing advanced training with them. We're getting into multiple retrieves, more technical blind work. Uh, honoring other dogs, things like that, that we'll get into, you know, getting into the senior and master level of the AKC hunt test. I noticed you're leaving uh, November through January open on your <laughs> schedule, Bill. <laughs> and, and, and that is by design, my friend. That this is, is his retirement design. plan. So from November, the middle of November to the end of January, I duck hunt every day. Man, that's awesome. And it's with your dogs at that point, you don't have any client dogs in, it's it's with your own with your own little buddies. That's exactly right. You know, and I'll hunt with a lot of my clients. You know, you know when you're with somebody and you're training that dog for four months, you know, you develop a friendship, you know, partnership with them, and you know, we we'll go hunt with them quite a bit. You know, different places that you either get an invite uh, from them to go to one of their places or. Hey, come on down here and bring your dog and let's shoot one of my holes. So, you know, I, I, you know this retirement dog, plan is really starting to make a lot more sense to me now. You get to make your own schedule, <laughs> have hunting season off, and you just happen to have a bunch of hunting spots. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yep. You got it figured <laughs> out, Bill. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. No, and it, and it works. And, you know, it's just a good schedule, you know, and, and you know, training year round, I mean, you know, I think you would almost get burned out at a point in time, you know, that, uh, you know, just to catch your breath, you know, and, uh, you know, take a little breather for a little while and then bring, you know, by the time the next class comes in, I'm ready to get at it again and bring the next group of dogs in and, and start training. So 10 dogs at a time, when, when you've got one of your own personal dogs that you're bringing up through and training, I mean, in my opinion, training never stops with a dog from what I've seen, but as they get older, you've kind of got them where you want and it, it's just a matter of maintenance. So do you find it hard to find time for your own dog because you're training 10 other ones? No, not necessarily. You know, I mean, you know, what I'll do is I'm a typically work my dogs last, you know, everybody else gets off the truck first and I work my dogs last. I mean, they may get a shorter abridged uh, setup, but you know, they're going to get their chance to get on some birds and, uh, you know, run a couple blind retrieves, whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, I mean, on an average, you know, typically, you know, when we go out to train, we're probably taking upwards of 16 dogs out to the training area, you know, on any, on any, any given day. That, uh, that'll keep you busy. That's a, that's a long day. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, just 
talking about putting your personal dogs on last, that's actually going to kind of teach them patience and uh, kind of honoring. Do you have them set up on a place and honoring all the other work going on, or you just have them stuck in the in the truck in between uh, sessions? Yeah, no, they're sitting in the truck enjoying the you know, the coolness of the truck, you know, especially this time of the year. Oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, this time of the year, you know, you get the uh, you know heat and you know we got to get out early in the morning get you know get our setups done come back you know let the dogs rest for a little while and then get them back out in the evening so you know that's kind of our you know our summer schedule you know obviously in the spring we can train all day long you know till it gets dark uh but this time of the year especially down here in you know eastern north carolina you know we're in the dog days of summer and you know you got to really work your schedule around around the heat absolutely so obviously working this many retrievers i'm sure that you have the most common breed in the king king of the retriever world is probably labs but i'm sure you see your fair share of chessies and what other breeds do you you get get to see and work with fairly often well like you said you know labs are you know i mean there's no no surprise there you know it's the you know most common breed in the akc registry you know it's the number one dog you know, across the country, you know, I don't know how many years in a row now, like 20 years in a row, but, you know, so predominantly we're working labs, um, but we see Chessies come in. We'll see, I've, I've had some really nice golden retrievers come in. Uh, I've got some Boykin Spaniels coming in, uh, you know, the South Carolina state dog. Um, so, get, you know, we get a nice mix of, you know, different retrievers coming in this way. So there is a, an availability of different breeds. You know, the lab is not the only one to get it done. Uh, but, but they are the most common. So how, how did you end up starting off with a lab or did you start off with a lab? Tell us how you, how you got started and and your first dog and all that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like most trainers, you know, I had a mentor, you know, and uh, you know, that's important, you know, I mean, that's, and for, you know, the amateur or the pro, I think, you know, that mentorship is important. Um, You know, so 19 years ago, um, he was another Marine. He had just retired. He was, uh, you know, been training dogs for a long time. And you now I spent a lot of time out there at his place, you know, writing notes. I still got notebooks from, you know, 19 years ago that I was writing notes for myself, and, you know, just learning from him. And, uh, you know, still I go out to his property and train, you know, once a week or once every other week, you know, still good friends. We go hit the white ball on the golf course every now and then together. So, you know, he, you know, he's retired now, but, you know, still a great mentor. And if I got a question, to this day, I give him a call and, you know, bring a dog out there, show me, you know, you know see what, what, what I need to do. That's really cool. So you, you got a lab from him. He was a lab guy as well. Yep. I bought, you know, I, I bought a lab. He was a lab guy and, uh, you know, was uh, working my dog out with him. And, uh, you know, that's how I got, a, you know, got hooked, you know, like I said, 19 years ago. Now I've been duck hunting, you know, 30 years, but, you know, didn't really have dogs, you know, out there hunting most of the time, you know, growing up, um, you know, it wasn't until about, like I said, 19 years ago, I said, Hey, I want a duck dog now. You know, I want somebody to go get my birds instead of having to go to retrieve them myself. Oh man. It's, it's (laughs) so much better to have a dog go get it than to walk out there and get it yourself or unhook from the anchors and and motor up and go pick up the birds. Um, I've noticed something, something you do is, uh, and, uh, and a lot of people that are just training for, for trials or testing don't really do this but i think one day i saw your duck boat out and it was in the middle of summer and i'm like bill it's it's the middle of summer what do you got your duck boat and decoys and stuff out for you, you really recreate a lot of hunting scenarios down to getting in the boat and going out and, and basically setting up 
a duck hunting setup. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, for me, you know, a good gun dog, you know, is exposed to all those different things. You know, I'll introduce them to working off a boat, you know, I'll put them in the mud hut. I'll put them on a stand, you know, I'll put some mojos out there because, you know, that first time the dog sees that flapping mojo out there or the wing spinning mojo, Hey, what is this? You know? So, you know, all those kind of things I try to, you know, at least introduce the dogs to us in the course of the training. So, you know, the first day out hunting, it's not a surprise to them. Absolutely. So you're just trying to restructure an actual hunting environment and, and, you know, to that's kind of the point of the testing and HRC and everything that you talked about earlier. Is there anything, you know, obviously you go above and beyond setting up your own spread, your decoy spread and everything on your own time, but is there anything else that in testing maybe that you do that you wouldn't do in a hunting scenario or vice versa that you think that, you know, the, the test should incorporate that maybe they aren't right now? Well, like I said, the HRC tests, you know, really kind of replicate the best, in my opinion, a hunting situation. You know, you're sitting on the bucket, you're blowing the duck call, you're, you know, shooting poppers, you know, dry poppers, you know, as the birds are coming out and the dog is swinging with the gun with you. So, you know, uh, you know, that, that to me is, you know, replicating as closely as possible, you know, out there in the duck blind. You know, the AKC tests, you know, all the shots are coming from, you know, the blind where the duck's coming out of, you know, so the, all the shots are coming out in front of the dog, out forward of the dog, you know, where the birds are coming out from. So, you know, that's kind of the difference where, you know, that doesn't necessarily replicate a hunting situation. You're holding a gun, but you're not shooting anything because all the shots are coming out from the field. So are, are there certain things that that the the testing or trialing have you do that you think, you know what, if I was just training a dog to hunt with, I wouldn't even fool around with this, but for the sake of the test or the competition, you find yourself, you know, training for something that, that doesn't really have uh, a utility for hunting? Not really, to be honest with you, not at all. I mean, you know, you know, like the AKC senior level, you know, you're, you're doing multiple retrieves, you're doing doubles, you're running a blind retrieve and you're honoring another dog, you know, that dog working while your dog's got to sit there and watch that dog work. So, you know, to me, you know, particularly when you get to the AKC senior level, you're really now starting to get a good gun dog, you know, that that dog can sit there, watch another dog work, picking up multiple birds, you know, knock the bird down that the dog didn't see. And I can go ahead, you know, with a, as a blind retrieve, go ahead and retrieve that bird, you know? So, you know, I think, you know, that the testing, both HRC and AKC does do a good job in helping you kind of develop a good gun dog. Sure. How do you start developing those things with a puppy? Uh, you know, from eight weeks old, seven or eight weeks old as a puppy, what are some of the little seeds you start planting with that pup so that you can build on it later? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, when we have a litter of puppies, you know, I tell all my owners, you know, you know, enjoy the dog, you know, don't, don't get too hard on the dog about, you know, basic obedience and steadiness and things like that as a young puppy, you know, as a young puppy, you know, I want that little, little puppy tearing after whatever I'm throwing, whether it be a bumper or a ball, you know, a feather, you know, I want I want that little puppy just to want to get at it, you know, because if I start to restrain the dog too much, they may lose interest or, or it may become, you know, Hey, a little bit, uh, you know, intimidating to the dog. Um, 
you know, so I want that puppy just be tearing after it, you know, and I get some retrievers that come in that the owners just haven't gotten them in the water. And these dogs are six, eight months old. Um, you know, and I got to put the waders on and go do swimming lessons for these dogs. So, you know, exposing the dogs to, you know, giving the dogs, exposing them to different environments, you know, getting them out in the fields and letting them just explore, um, you know, getting them down to the water and letting them, you know, explore and, you know, see if they can get their sea legs and start swimming. Um, you know, those kind of things are all important to me, you know, in that young, you know, eight, 12, eight to 12 or eight to 16 week, you know, development, you know, months. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I notice a lot of people, they, they get a puppy, it's eight weeks old and they're like, what can I do? I've got to start training this dog. And, and I mean, you said it, it's not really training, it's exposure, exposure to Absolutely. maybe riding in a boat, Absolutely. going swimming, building up their prey drive. Let's talk about gunfire. What's your process for introducing gunfire to the dogs? Yeah, I mean, you know, the young puppies, you know, most are, you know, if the dog's coming in for training here, you know, most of the time I tell the owners, don't do it. You know, let me work <laughs> through that so you don't, you know, so you don't create a problem. You know, I mean, gun shyness is, you know, we create gun shyness for the most part. For sure. So, um, it's not something that the dogs are born with, you know, the dog's born, you know, the puppy's born gun shy. Um, so we create that problem. So, you know, it's that gradual exposure with, you know, that gunfire out in the field, you know, and, you know, the ball thrown in the other direction, that kind of stuff where, you know, you know, I'm, I'm doing something fun. I'm getting after this tennis ball and I heard that shot in the distance, but again, I'm doing something fun. So it didn't really affect me or affect me. And then from there, do you kind of, uh, I guess a lot of people make the mistake of, well, my dog was good while it was chasing after this tennis ball. And I fired a blank pistol. Now I can take it duck hunting. What are the steps in between there? <laughs> that's right. No, I mean, that's not the case at all. I mean, <laughs> you know, I gradually, you know, you know, you know, with different equipment or different, you know, you know, bird throwers out there, they're shooting, you know, different calibers out in the field. And then I'm going to gradually, you know, move that gunfire closer and closer to the dog, you know, to the point where I, maybe I've got somebody standing to me. And this is again, over a, you know, a four month period. This is not in a week, um, you know, over a period of time, you know, gradually, you know, moving that gunfire closer and closer to the dog. And, and again, you know, shooting, you know, dry poppers, you know, blank pistols, you know, 20 gauge, 12 gauge, you know, that kind of stuff, kind of stepping it up gradually. That makes sense. And that, and that, in my opinion, that speaks to most aspects of of dog training is a lot of the stuff is gradual and you've got to take it one step at a time. And sometimes when you just change the environment, it's like, you got to start back at step one and redo it. That's right. Absolutely. No, couldn't agree more. That's exactly right. You know, it's, you know, it's a process and you know, you've got to, you know, work through that process. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we get impatient and we start to, you know, you know, force things or rush things or, you know, you know, you're talking about building a house, but you got to build that foundation. And, you know, if you miss something or sped through something, you know, you may ha- not have a problem right away, but you may have problems down the road. Right. And, and you know, back on the gunfire, just because you can have one person shooting, even a 12 gauge right next to the dog is completely different when you're in a blind and you have four to six guns going off, you know, 18 shots in one volley. And, you know, if you hadn't really kind of walked your way through and baby stepped it on up, that that can really scare a dog that you you thought was good just because you fired one one shotgun near him in, in the training field. 
Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, uh, you know, we had a dog who had a dog that uh, was a Chessie that, you know, the owner, you know, first season took it to Arkansas and was out in a, uh, in a metal pit blind, you know, and it was like eight other gunners in that pit blind. Well, you know, that metal pit blind, you know, that echo with those barking 12 gauges, you know, that dog got spooked, you know, eight people shooting at a flock of, you know, mallards coming in. That's a lot of gunfire. And then in that metal box, just, you know, exacerbated that sound and, you know, you know, percussion. Absolutely. You know, I think people work up to, all right, I've shot my 20 gauge over my dog, you know, as a, a, when I threw something for it to retrieve or as it was chasing a bird, I fired and it was relatively close to the dog. And in a lot of people's mind, it's like, cool, we've gotten through the, the exposure to gunfire, but even even then there's a difference in 20 gauge, you know, little two and three quarter inch bird shot in comparison to three or three and a half inch, like number twos that you're duck hunting with. They're a lot louder. Mm -hmm. And then you got to think about again, the environment you're out there in a metal pit blind. How's it going to be different? Obviously there's multiple hunters making a lot more noise, but, uh, yeah, you know, for, for you, it's like, you just tell your clients, let me take care of it. You know, don't worry about it because it's, it's difficult to get people to understand all the different aspects that could affect, you know, just one occasion. And now you've got a gun shy gun dog and that's, that's the worst problem to have. I think. That's right. And and very hard problem to fix. I mean, once you create that problem, and again, like I said, you know, we create that problem, you know, once it's created, then, uh, you know, very, very, very hard to fix that problem. So, you know, and I tell, you know, all my clients, you know, you know, I just graduated a bunch of dogs, you know, that'll be hunting this first season, their first season. You know, I tell them all, you know, don't even bring a gun, you know, bring mm-hmm. a buddy or two, let them shoot your limit. You know, yeah. I mean, for me, you know, when I'm working a young dog, I've shot enough birds in my life. I want to work my dog and teach my dog the right way and not let them get into, you know, breaking on the shot and all that stuff. You know, I'll bring a buddy or two, one of my holes. Hey, you shoot all my birds. I don't care. Shoot my limit too. I just want to work my dog, you know, and, and I find that's the way it works you know, best for me, you know, to expose the dog now to the hunting environment, you know, looking out there, watching the birds drop in the swamp or on the sounds or whatever, you know, and the dog's not getting overwhelmed, you know, just bringing one or two guys and, and with me not having a gun, you know, or they not having a gun, you know, if they're working their own dog, you know, they're focused on that dog. They're not worried about, you know, shooting that Drake pintail that's, you know, cupped and committed. <laughs> yeah. Hard to pay attention to a dog if you got a Drake, Drake pintail coming into the spread. So that's right. So when you, you know, as a puppy, you're building up the drive, uh, slow exposure to gunfire. Um, what, what's next, you know, what's next on your list as far as, as getting the dogs ready? Yeah, you know, when we go, you know, our basic program, you know, obviously, you know, we do a lot of basic obedience with the dogs, you know, I mean, a good gun dog, I mean, any breed gun dog, you know, whether it's an upland dog or, you know, you know, a waterfowl dog, you know, it's obviously got a good amount of obedience in them. You know, so we spend a lot of time doing basic obedience, you know, from the, you know, the basics of sit here, he'll stay kind of stuff. Um, You know, then we, you know, we get into the force fetch process, you know, we use the ear pinch method, you know, so we go through the force fetch process with all the dogs, um, you know, from, you know, on the table to on the ground, you know, we do a, you know, a walking force fetch, a force to pile, you know, we go through that whole route, you know, in the force fetch to teach dogs, you know, to, you know, to fetch and hold, 
Um, you know, you see it fall, you pick it up right away, you know, that prompt pick up and bring it back and you deliver the hand. You know, you hold that bird or you hold that bumper. Um, you know, then we'll get into handling. You know, we'll start getting into some of our drills as far as, you know, teaching the dogs how to handle, you know, the you know, our over and back casts. You know, we'll get into some three-handed casting drills, get them into some T drills, you know, to start working their handling. So now that's, you know, building into, you know, our blind retrieves. I knock the bird down, you know, with the, you know, with the dead bird back command, I can go ahead and, you know, guide that dog out to where that bird fell with a hand and whistle. So with the handling, how much does it help, would you say, that if, you know, before your clients bring the puppies to you, just starting at home and kind of planting those seeds, whether it's using the food bowl and then pointing at the food bowl and, and you know, what are some steps that people can take with their own pups at home before bringing to you that, that can really help lay a, a decent foundation for you to work with on handling? Because I know I get a lot of questions about handling, uh, even in the versatile gun dog world. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they, again, with a young puppy, I don't think there's much you could do. That's just, you know, that's my personal thoughts. You know, again, what, you know, I encourage my owners to work more on is the obedience side. Once that puppy gets up at age, you know, walking comfortably on a leash, you know, and being bold out, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, getting the dogs out in the field and let them explore, let them get in the water. I mean, to me, that early development piece is much more important than, you know, trying to teach a dog, you know, a right overcast at 12 weeks old. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've even heard people that focus on, you know, getting the eye contact with starting the food at the eyes until the puppy meet their eyes and then they lower the food bowl and then they point. So I, you answered my question. I was curious if you really thought that that really made a difference when you get into the more, more advanced handling later on down the road. No, to me, honestly, I don't think it does. You know, I mean, now, you know, you know, teaching the dog's patience, you know, you, you know, with food, you know, in that regard, you know, especially a young puppy, you know, making them sit and wait till you tell them, hey, it's, you know, now you can go eat. You know, obviously you're building in a little bit, a little bit of obedience there, you know, and, and, you know, patience, you know, and, you know, and I think that may carry over more into the training, you know, when you're sitting there in the duck blind and there's nothing flying for the first three hours, um, you know, so that, you know, helps, you know, build some patience into the dog. That makes sense. So you mentioned force fetch. Uh, I don't want to turn into a complete, you know, lesson on force fetch. There's really not enough time during even a couple episodes to, to cover every aspect of force fetch, but I'll just, I've got my opinions on it. I, I think it's important, but you're talking about Labrador retrievers, Chesapeake Bay retrievers, but you're still doing force fetch. Why, why the force fetch? And I agree with you, but I, for everyone else, uh, what's the importance of force fetch? Well, again, it's that prompt pickup of the bird, you know, not getting out there, sniffing it, not getting out there, you know, you know, messing around with the bird or in and around the area of the bird. And you saw it, you pick it up and you bring it back and you deliver the hand, you know? So that's, you know, that whole premise behind force fetch, you know, and it also builds in, you know, you know, I see, you know, in the force fetch, it builds in some of that drive to get at it, you know, get right to it, pick it up and get it back. You know, it, it can build in some drive into the dogs. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the finish retrieve. I actually had a, a buddy I, I worked with a few years back. He had a lab and he said the same thing. I have a retriever, so I don't need to train it to retrieve. 
and I'd go out in the field with him, and he would just – the dog would do good all the way out, and then he'd come back in about five yards from the bank and just spit the bumper out every time. And I'm just sitting here, I'm like, all right, we're going to go hunting, and he's going to do that with a bird. He did that, and as soon as he did that and we lost a, a cripple, it dove and just took off and never got it recovered. I looked at him and was like, that's why you force fetch. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. You know, and I've seen it happen the same way, you know, you know, bringing in a crippled bird, you know, the dog set that bird down and to fly off on you or dive on you, something like that. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really not that forceful of a process. We've talked about it quite a bit. Um, it's, it's really teaching the dog how to do it properly to go get it promptly and bring it all the way back and deliver it to hand and not, not chew it up in the process. That's right. That's right. How long yep. does it usually yep. take you to get them done with force fetch? And, and when would you define like, all right, this dog is now done with force fetch and I'm moving on to the next thing. Well, you know, we, you know, as part of our process, you know, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, it's almost about a 45 day process. Now, you know, people, you know, some people may say 45 days, you know, that's, you know, you know, that's a lot, but in that, you know, you're doing your, your table work, you know, you start with your whole, then you do, and you know, you'll finally get in, you'll get into your ear pinch on the table. You know, then we do that, move to the ground to ear pinch. Um, you know, then I come back to the table once the dog's, you know, and during that process, we're conditioning the dog to the e collar. Then we do collar force. We do collar force on the table. Then we do collar force on the ground. Then I do what's called, you know, what I call a walking force fetch, you know, where we do a walking force fetch. Uh, go through that in several iterations, you know, and, and even in our force fetch, you know, particularly when we get, you know, uh, towards the latter part of uh, the ear pinch and then, you know, collar force, you know, it's not just dowels or bumpers, you know, I'm starting to force fetch them on birds a little bit, um, you know, because I want them to start, you know, understanding, hey, I don't care what it is, you grab it, you pick, you hold it, um, you know, so we do a walking force fetch, then we'll get into a for, the our force to pile. So, you know, all that process and force the pile, you know, we're getting out to, you know, about 75 yards or so, you know, in our force to pile. So, you know, all that building process, you know, it takes about 45 days to get from, you know, the basics of hold all the way through, you know, fetch at 75 yards and that dog's, you know, tearing after that pile of bumpers, picking it up quickly and returning and delivering the hand and getting ready for the next one. Absolutely. That kind of goes in line with what we, we advise everybody. We tell everybody, you know, Hey, count on 60 days. Some dogs, especially if you've had experience doing it, you can get it done a little sooner. Like you're saying 45 days, roughly, uh, some dogs take a little bit longer, especially if it's your first time through, but you, by the end of it, you have a completely different product. You, you have more than just a retriever. You have a more cooperative dog and, and definitely more obedient. So you're gaining a lot more than just a finished retriever out of the entire process. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, and, and you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, you know, I say 45 days, but that's not a one size fits all. Every dog is different. I get some that are done in almost 30 days, you know, because they just pick it up. They got it, you know, and they understand it. You know, and then there's a that occasional dog that, like you said, go to the 60 day mark just because they're not getting it. You know, so every dog's different. You know, um, you know, 45 days, you know, is roughly kind of the schedule I try to maintain, you know, and it's a little different, you know, for me because I'm on a timeline. You know, if I, I was an trainer, I'd take three months doing it as long as I'm doing it right and doing a little bit each day and making progress. I don't care if it takes me 45 days or three months. 
again, I just want to make sure I'm making that progress. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to piggyback off of, we're creating something more than just a, just a finish retrieve. I kind of want to hear more about what you guys were talking about at the beginning of this, making uh, good citizens with these dogs. What, what is this canine good citizen program that Adam says that you, uh, you help out with and per- participate in? Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been an evaluator for the AKC canine good citizen program for quite a year quite a few years and you know it's and it's a basic it just it is it's an obedience program um you know there's 10 elements of the akc canine good citizen program from you know loose leash walking all the way through to reaction to distractions you know reaction to other dogs um you know so there's 10 elements to that program um you know all the obedience dogs that we bring in here you know we basically teach them to that level you know where you know i can take the dog out in public and they're not going to be, you know, pulling me and dragging, dragging me towards another dog. Um, you know, we can go to Lowe's, Tractor Supply, those kind of places and, you know, walk the aisles and the dog's going to behave themselves and not be jumping on everybody, you know, as they walk past them. So, um, you know, it, it's a good program, uh, you know, and again, it just, you know, it's like the AKC hunt test or the HRC hunt test. It gives you a target to train to. Absolutely. And I think that that correlates to having a good gun dog too. I mean, like you said, just the basic foundation of obedience. So if, even if folks aren't comfortable with doing uh, gunfire, you know, introduction to gunfire and, and retrieving formalized retrieving basic obedience and the canine good citizenship programs, a, a good way to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it is, you know, and it, you know, cause you know, you know, I mean, a good gun dog is an obedient dog. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, many horror stories, you know, people out hunting and, and the dog ruins the hunt. It ain't the people that ruin the hunt. It's the dog ruins the hunt just because the dog's, you know, out of control, you know, or acting like a fool out there. Um, you know, so, you know, that's, that's where, you know, all that foundation, that obedience foundation comes into play. Absolutely. So, uh, do you have any big, big dream hunts planned for this season? It's just around the corner. It's going to be here before you know it. Well, I mean, I, the only thing I'm dreaming and hoping is that this season is a whole lot better than last season. Cause, <laughs> well, it, it, it just uh, never got cold enough here in North Carolina that the birds were all locked up north. Uh, you know, we're going to head to Arkansas like we do every year, go out there and, uh, you know, hopefully get into some green woods and teal. Um, you know, we head out there every year. We got, uh, got a, a group that we go out with. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, that's a good hunt, you know, mid January, normally a good time to be out in Arkansas. Um, you know, probably get up to Maryland, uh, you know, at least once or twice and then just hunt the sounds and impoundments and, uh, you know, the swamps out here. Very nice. So Bill, real quick, before we let you go, uh, tell us a little bit about your breeding program. You said you breed once a year. Um, are you doing a yep. lot of repeat breedings or are you bringing in dogs that you like out of your professional training program tell us about that yeah no we uh you know we breed our own dogs you know i mean i own the sires you know i've got uh you know two males uh you know a chocolate and a yellow male and uh you know i've got a black female that we breed you know she's uh she's a rock star and you know they're all you know you know of course you know i'm a little biased but they're all rock stars so <laughs> you know we uh <laughs> you know we breed them you know we, we keep it in house you know i don't you know, now I'll stud my males out, you know, if other folks want, you know, Hey, I want to have a litter of puppies and you know, we want to use one of your dogs as a stud. I'll certainly do that. Um, 
But, you know, our dogs that we breed are all in-house. You know, we own the sire and the dam, you know, which a lot of people like that because they get to see, you know, mom and dad. You come out and visit and you want to come down and put, come out and, you know, put a deposit down. Well, hey, come out and see the mom and dad first before you make that decision. Um, you know, it, you know, that opportunity to see the siren dam, you know, I think is important to a lot of folks. Um, so we breed once a year, um, you know, and, and I'm not necessarily picky about, you know, the kind of homes they go to. I'm, you know, what I'm looking for is a good home. You know, if, if it's a good home, it's a good fit. You know, I mean, labs, you know, Chessies, Goldens, GSPs, they're active breeds. If you live a sedentary lifestyle, it may not be the breed for you. You know, these are active dogs and they bred, bred for a purpose. So hopefully you live an active lifestyle to keep that dog, you know, gainfully employed and get, keep them entertained. And if you don't, they will find a way to employ themselves. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> in, in ways you may not want. That's right. They'll chew up everything in the house. You know, uh, a lot of people would say that, that when you've got the sire and dam in house, you're, you're just breeding for convenience. But like you said, you are, you're able to show your people, your, your potential puppy buyers, here's both dogs, watch them work before you put down a deposit. And there's a lot of value in that. And another thing you said is that, of course, you think your dogs are great. They're your own dogs, but you're using testing and trialing to have someone else say, yes, these are great dogs. So what are, what are the titles that you've put on your personal dog so far? Yeah, they're all, I mean, all my dogs are master hunters. Um, you know, AKC master hunters, you know, we run a few HRC tests, uh, you know, but they haven't accumulated enough points just because there's not enough tests, you know, for some of those titles. Um, you know, I field trial my own personal dogs, you know, we're working, uh, we're, we're working on trying to get a QAA, a qualified all age, you know, on a couple of my dogs right now. So, you know, is that, like you just said, I mean, to me, if I was, you know, in puppy shoppers and I get calls all the time, you know, folks looking for a puppy, you know, you know, you pick a litter. You're not necessarily picking a puppy. You know, if you want a good gun dog, well, you know, and you want a waterfowl dog or you want an upland dog, you know, what's important is see, okay, do the, do the parents do that kind of work? You know, do the parents have titles? You know, because that, to me, that shows a level of trainability. You know, you know, both my dogs, I mean, all my dogs are AKC master hunters. Again, obviously, they've been trained to a certain level and they can be trained to a certain level. Um, so, you know, as a, as a prospective puppy buyer, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I coach people to kind of, hey, you know, we may not have a litter, but here's some other litters because this is going to fit what you're looking for as far as a gun dog. Because this dog, you know, they are gun dogs. They got master titles, senior titles, whatever the case may be. Absolutely. I agree with 100% of that. And real quick, you know, tell everybody, anybody that's possibly interested in finding out about an upcoming litter or talk to you about if it's a potentially good fit for, for training or boarding or whatever, tell everybody where they can find you. If you have a website or Facebook page or any of that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, you know, and, and one thing I do want to mention, you know, before I even say that, you know, we were talking about hunt tests, you know, I mean, the nice thing about hunt tests and, you know, you're involved in, you know, the, you know, some of that world as well. Um, you know, it gives you something to train to in the off season, you know, you know, here in North Carolina, they run hunt tests in September and then in early fall. So, you know, it gives you something to do, you know, in between before the hunt season kicks in. And it gives you a level to train to and a, and a goal, you know. So that's why I like the hunt test. And you know, that's why I try to encourage my owners to get involved in the hunt test, just because it gives them a, a, a goal to train to. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is a, 
the goal to work toward because if I wasn't working toward a goal right now with my dog, uh, when Nick asked me to, to go out and train with him, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I'll skip out on this weekend, but I've got a goal set for my dog and I can't afford to skip out on, on getting out and training him. So it, it does work out. I think to have, to be involved in, in testing and trialing and, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. That's right. And it gives you something to do during the off season. You know, that's the, that's the biggest thing with me, you know, running some tests, training to some tests, you know, in the off season. And then, you know, come November, you know, we're, we're duck hunting every day. There you go. So, uh, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you and we'll, we'll, you know, stop bugging you and let you get back to work with training all your dogs. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're here in Richlands, North Carolina, you know, River Ridge Kennels. You know, we've got a website. It's rrkennel.com. You know, we were also on Facebook under River Ridge Kennels. So, you know, encourage anybody, you know, take a look. And if anybody's ever in the area and they want to come out, you know, just see what we got going on and, you know, even ask for some help on a dog. You know, I'm all about that. You know, just come out and, you know, hey, can you show me some things I need to be doing? And I'm, I'm happy we do that. Awesome. Well, Bill, can't thank you enough for coming on. We really appreciate it, and it's always good to catch up with you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Same here, Adam. You know, it was good seeing you all y'all just a few short weeks ago. Yep. Good to see you, too. Thanks, Bill. All right. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.